Hi there, I'm Melissa, a registered dietitian specialized in intuitive eating for on-again, off-again chronic dieters, and I'm here to help you take the guilt and stress out of eating so you can be the first in your family to break the diet cycle. I'm interested in helping you unlearn generational diet trauma so you can be who you are without food guilt. Be sure to follow on Instagram at nomoreguilt for more support between these episodes. Are you ready? Let's jump in. How are you today? Last time I was solo and today I have brought in a guest in my former client, Stephanie. I am thrilled to share her story with you. We're gonna jump right in, but before we do, I wanna let you know that Stephanie mentions some methods and programs that she used to use as a former dieter. I don't think any of them will be a surprise to you. She will mention specific weight loss numbers she once saw in the past. And usually in the spirit of eating disorder recovery and supporting you as chronic dieters, I would edit this type of content out because it can be activating or triggering for those of you that are trying to move on. But I did keep it in this episode because I want you to understand the specifics of Stephanie's journey to this point. I think that can help in some instances for you to understand you know, what are your similarities or differences with the stories of folks you're listening to? So if you are not in a space today that you can hear weight loss numbers or hear about specific weight loss methods without feeling triggered or activated, this is your chance to opt out of today's episode. We'll catch you next week. Otherwise, if you're feeling good about it, I am too. I trust you to know yourself. Let me introduce you to my friend, Stephanie. Well, hello, my name is Stephanie and I'm 42 years old. I live in a suburb of Denver, Colorado. I have a seven-year-old and I've been married for almost 11 years and I do hair for a living. You're a small biz owner. Um, Stephanie also has a cat. We're seeing her come yeah. on screen now. As yeah. you know, I'm more of a dog person, but I am open to cat lovers as well. So I'm glad we could make it work in our, our coaching relationship. <laughs> I say hello, guys. So if you hear a random meow... <laughs> That's what's happening. Yes. Well, I was so delighted to have you on, Stephanie. We had so many conversations through our work together. Um, I think that you were someone who was so vulnerable and brave, pushing through some of your initial fears. So I'm excited to share your story today. I want to start from the beginning. Um, tell us a little bit about maybe your early experiences with dieting. How did it all start with you and your dieting relationship? Uh, you know, my very first time that I decided to diet, I think I was, I was actually older than a lot of people. I was maybe 20. Uh, I did not grow up in a family that was really entrenched in diet culture, luckily. Uh, but I had put on some weight. I put on about 20 pounds my freshman year of college and I did a low fat diet at the time. And I think I restricted myself to like 20 grams of fat a day. And I, I took, I took like pills, if you can believe it, that like blocked my fat. And I dropped that 20 pounds in like a month, which we all know now that that is extremely unhealthy. But I kept that weight off, surprisingly, for probably 10 years or so without very much effort. And then around 31, I started to put weight on again and joined, um, are, are you allowed to say major diet? Oh yeah. You, you can, you can mention specifics. We'll, we'll put a little warning at the front of this. If anyone doesn't want to hear 
Um, okay. The specifics, but I, I'm going to pause here because I think that's one of the most difficult parts of like doing intuitive eating on your own is like, you want to talk specifics about like the stuff that you did, because those specifics are the messages in your brain. You have to reckon with now. So I would love for you to share the programs you've done. So the listener can understand like if it relates or not. Yeah. So, um, I joined Weight Watchers mm-hmm. and, um, I was, initially successful with it. I I think I ended up losing about 25 pounds in a five month period. So it wasn't like insanely fast per se, but it was still, it was still restrictive. And at the time I didn't recognize it because in my head I could have whatever I want. I just, as long as I track it and count the points, but eventually it started to not work. And I started kind of obsessing about certain foods, um, cereal, trail mix, hummus. These were all things that, although they were never like, quote unquote, not allowed, they were high in points. And right. so when you only get so many points a day and trail mix costs half of them, you kind of don't want the trail mix. Mm-hmm. So uh, just like everyone else, or I should say most people, not everybody, I um, eventually stopped working the plan and... I started eating all the things. I remember there was one Christmas that, um, you know, those cookies are like shortbread with chocolate on the top of them. And I, they're like, there's a chess looking piece. And anyway, but somebody brought those to work and I literally ate almost the entire 10 through the course of one day. And then it got to a point where I actually hit it on top of a cabinet just yeah. so I couldn't it anymore and couldn't keep binging on it. So I went on and off Weight Watchers from the time I was 31 until probably, I don't know, maybe two years ago. And it just, it never, it it would stick a little less every single time I rejoined. So like the second time around, I lost the weight again. Um, Then I got pregnant for my cute little boy, Nathan. And then it was all about losing the quote unquote baby weight. And, you know, how fast can I do that without taking into consideration at all that my body, I had to have a cesarean and Mm -hmm. there was a lot of stuff. And I was like back in a Weight Watchers meeting at three weeks postpartum. And it just got to a point that I would maybe work the plan for a week and then it went down to maybe a few days. And then it got to a point where I was only doing it for a day at a time. And then something would trigger me anything, any kind of emotion, good or bad. And I would head straight for whatever binge food I wanted at the time. And I will point, I will say that um, I have technically gained the weight back again. Um, I am back up to what my original starting weight was. Um, so in that sense, it didn't actually work (laughs) every time that it, that I would stop doing it and would regain weight. Um, initially I honestly thought it was my fault. I just, I really did. I'm like, Oh, well, I'm not counting. I'm not staying on plan. And the more often it happened where I would get back on plan and then go off and regain weight the more I really started to wonder, um, I don't know that there's anything wrong with me. Maybe this just isn't right for me. And it was around that time, about three years ago that I found the intuitive eating book. And truthfully, I don't remember how I found it, but, um, I did. And 
that was what led me over the last three years to you eventually. (laughs) Yeah. You were like doing a little DIY. You were kind of on social. What were the aspects of intuitive eating you felt like you were able to accomplish on your own? Do you, do you feel like you made progress prior to the program? Yes, a little bit. And In fact, Melissa, it wasn't until your program that I realized how much progress I have actually made. The um, movement piece, uh, is it feel your body or move your body and feel the difference? That piece has always been very solid for me. Another one that I hadn't fully realized that I had accomplished was the rejecting, not rejecting diet culture, because I'm still working on that, but more just not having the food police around me. Mm -hmm. I'm very, very good at not labeling foods, good or bad. And I've realized again, through your program that I can have many of those forbidden foods in my house now. And I don't even think about them like cookies, ice cream, chips, cereal, cereal. I still have a volatile relationship with, but I still keep it in my house. I don't deem it as bad per se. So that cognitive shift or thinking shift happened over yeah. those three years. You, you, and it sounds like you had that critical nature about you anyway, where you're kind of like, maybe it's not my fault. Like that seems like a really important first thought to have. Yes. So any of you listening who are like, I still question about whether it's my fault. What if you leaned into that one idea that it's not your fault, that you're not the only one struggling with diets, because that's going to open you up to take in this information in a totally different way and maybe use it in the ways that Stephanie's talking about. So that's true. You're, you were able to evaluate your joyful movement practice was working for you and you were able to stop the good and bad labels on your own. Okay. Yeah. And another thing is like, so often when we're working on stuff, we're so worried about what we're not doing or what's like not going well. And one of the key parts of our program was actually forcing you guys to pause and reflect on that. And so if you're not quite sure what your, your wins are right now, you can ask yourself right now, like what's different than six months ago, a year ago, pick a time frame. That's what me and Stephanie and our group were doing to, for her to be able to say that today. And if not, then you can invest in the service of having someone help you to understand where am I in comparison to where I was or where I want to be. So that's a great takeaway for everyone that it's nice to remember you're not, you know, starting from scratch a lot of the time. Okay. So what was left when you decided to join the program? What was it that made you want to get help given that you had made some progress? What was it that you were really hoping for at that time? Well, in that moment, I First of all, I didn't really think I had made progress. Mm. And so I was very, like you had said, very self-critical and I was still quote unquote binging. I I use that word very loosely because I don't, um, I don't know that I actually binge in the true sense of the word, but I will eat a lot of bowls of cereal in a short amount of time. So to me, that is a, a binge. I think I was just kind of at my wits end with feeling like I wasn't getting it. And so I was, you know, doing this activity almost daily of eating all this cereal to the point I was feeling sick and I just felt lost. I felt like I needed more guidance, more structure. And I think it was right around the time that I found your program and it just seemed exactly the structure and guidance that I needed in that moment. 
I remember when you were deciding whether or not to do the program. And I love talking to you because you can hear now in, in your, your storytelling stuff, you're like, you took this really seriously mm-hmm. and you had thought a lot about what would make you successful. And you had done a lot of really hard work on your own. And I loved that at that time, you were very specific in saying like, will it help me do X? What would we do in X situation? That's another skill I want people to know about. Like you're allowed to ask the people you work with how they're going to approach the problems you've been facing. Many hesitations that clients have are like, could I just do this on my own? Should I keep doing this on my own? And that's such a normal thing. Look, if you can go for it, you should. But if you can't, it's helpful to know specifically what you want. And I love that you had those questions so you could learn like, yeah, no, this program will be a good fit or not for you. Yeah. Is that just like how you are? Is that your personality that you're, you're a great interviewer? Why was it that you were so clear on what you wanted at that point? Do you think? Uh, you know, because I think in general, I have a very clear picture of what I would like my life to be like and what I would like to accomplish. Uh, it's funny though, because like, if you ask me what my goals are, sometimes I freeze and I'm like, well, I don't know what my goals are, but I also know very concisely like, okay, this is the issue that I'm having right now. And I really, really want to solve this issue. No nonsense. (laughs) (laughs) This is the issue. Yeah. I mean, and you're living with it. Of course, you're able to say it specifically. It's kind of a cool thing to be able to get that concise feedback. And that's what coaching programs are meant for. Coaching should highlight and focus on individual behaviors and be working to those little steps at a time. So that's why coaching was a fit for you. Someone else who doesn't have that urgency around a specific thing, maybe you're more of um, a philosophical learner around intuitive eating. Yeah, maybe coaching wouldn't be as satisfying for you. You might want a support group or like a book group, something like of that nature. So it does different folks at different levels are going to need different types of learning spaces. And this is the one that made sense for you. Yes. When you got into the program, I'm sure you had all sorts of like expectations of what was going to happen. And then there's what actually happens. What would you say some of the things you learned through the, the program were? Um, and did they, is it what you expected? Is that what you're expecting to learn? What I was expecting was just some guidelines on how to use intuitive eating better. But what I ended up getting was even more than I was expecting because what I loved about the program is that you, instead of us taking it all on at once, you had us pick one or two goals and that was our focus. Mm -hmm. And I loved the fact that we did it that way because I think by picking those, we were able to hone in on exactly the pieces of intuitive eating that we really needed to work on the most first. And then just by taking it in baby steps, you know, having a set of goal and saying like, okay, you know, this is about how much you can expect to improve in this amount of time. I think doing it that way was very realistic and very refreshing, especially for a person like me, that's like this super, you know, overachiever wants to be perfect right away. And I'm, I, again, I'm working on it. <laughs> I'm the perfectionist thing, but it's, yeah, it was just, I think what I took out of it more was I was expecting to like, just get this kind of general framework, but it was so specific that it helped me way more in my process. Yeah. 
the specific piece, you know, it takes one to know one. I've talked on this podcast before about my own journey with working through perfectionist anxiety and dealing with uncertainty. Whenever mm-hmm. we can take the big thing and break it down small, instantly we feel more empowered. We feel more clear. We feel less anxious and that's going to motivate us to experiment. Yes. And when we can experiment, then we can get examples of what works and what does not. And that is the whole crux of intuitive eating. I don't mind telling anyone out there for free. That's it. That's how you become successful as intuitive eaters. You just get started. Mm -hmm. So one of the things we worked on, yes, are the intuitive eating principles, but guys, truth be told, the information's out there. We can read about it. There's podcasts, there's Insta pages, there's name it. The real work happens when you have a process. And so That's something that, um, even at the end of the program, we talk about like, okay, well, how are you going to work the process now, now that you're more on your own? So I'm glad that that was helpful and a a strong takeaway for you. Yeah. Tell us a little bit about, you know, what, what you're working on now, what, what is some of the places that you're paying attention to around intuitive eating these days? I've ended up picking two goals and they were both more or less, um, around hunger and fullness cues. And then also, um, feeling my emotions. And initially I kind of started with hunger and fullness thinking, well, if I can just get in tune with my hunger and fullness, it'll all, you know, just work magically. But (laughs) in the process, it made me realize that I fully eat my emotions, good, bad. It does not matter. I fully eat them. And so that was the one that we really ended up honing in on because we kind of figured out that if I could name my emotions, feel them, sit with them, that it might actually end up making feeling my hunger and fullness cues a little bit easier. And one thing that you said, Melissa, during our coaching that just was mind blowing to me was um, when I was telling you about how, gosh, I just can't stop eating my emotions. And I just always seem to do this. You said, well, what if eating is the right answer? (laughs) Like whatever is going on and then I've already checked off all the other things and it comes down to, you know what? I just really want a snack. I'm not feeling good right now. And you just were so simple. Like, you're like, yeah, what if, <laughs> what if having the food is the answer right now? <laughs> yeah. Radical, very different than what you might've heard before. Absolutely. I find most people love, love that answer. Cause it's like the, we're adding emotion when we fight with it, right? Like we're making it harder. And so why do you think that that was so impactful for you? What was it about that message that helped? Because I have never, ever been told that before, ever, by any other diet that I was on. I guess maybe when I was a kid, my mom might have done some soothing with ice cream and stuff. Yeah. But um, in, when I was so enmeshed in diet culture, the message was always find something else to do, busy your hands, you know, go read a book which is all fine. And I do still sometimes use distraction as well. But just the fact that I was given permission to just go ahead and have the food. Mm -hmm. And truthfully, there was one day in particular, I had a really difficult client and I got done with it. And my first thought was, I really, really just want a snack. And we had just had that coaching like a day before. And I just, just, you know, I said, it's okay, have the snack. And I really believe that if I had just kept pushing that down, I probably would have went home and eaten a whole box of cereal. (laughs) Yeah. Well, you had an opportunity to try something different and 
anything in life, like your relationship to food, if you're working on a problem at work, or I don't know, you're doing some hobby or something, and you're just stuck on this one thing. It's kind of a nice idea to stop hitting the same hammer over and over again. And anytime you can get feedback that helps you to do opposite action or take a different lens or a different angle, again, as learners, it's going to open up all of these new experiences and ideas. And that's what happened for you. So strategically speaking, it's scary, but we can learn to emotionally eat well. And that's the practice. You know, once you hear that message, you've got to actually go out and practice emotional eating in a way that really works for you, which you did go on to do. And you still practice that seemed to change the game. So it felt a little more hopeful and possible versus the same old thing over and over again. Mm-hmm. Exactly. We worked together. Um, there was, was a six week intensive that you participated in and that intensive extends three months for you to do self-study and you still have access to our community and group. We did a debrief call and I got to know some of your hopes. We helped you to kind of hone in on the next steps, but I'd love a little update. Like, what are you looking forward to in your relationship with food now that you're here and you have some more positive intuitive eating experiences under your belt? So I'm uh, really hopeful that I will fully get to a point that I am just 100% okay with who I am, my body and my eating habits and knowing that it's okay. And that I can trust my body to lead me to what I need. And, you know, I eventually am hopeful to get out of completely out of diet culture. And I I don't know if, because we're so enmeshed in it, I don't know if I'll ever fully get out of it because people are always talking about it. And, you know, I think we'd need to make a commune, Stephanie, we can be the leaders and (laughs) it's very hard to hide. Yeah. So I think moving forward, it's just more, you know, realizing more and more that I do have the, the, um, the wherewithal to, I can make my decisions and they don't have to be what is so ingrained in my head as good or bad. It's, you know, it's okay if I want to snack a little bit more in one day and it's okay to just accept my body's signals and I don't have to try to control everything so much. Yeah. There's more trust in the process ahead. And you already have a little bit of trust. You know, these examples you're giving, it's so important to have them because without, they call this in in counseling or coaching, like exception to the rule. Like we need to find exceptions to our ideas about ourselves because without them, how do we push back on that negative thinking? How do we push back on those beliefs that came from diet culture or your mom growing up or wherever it came from? You owe it to yourself to show yourself that you are who you think you are. And I think that's one of the hardest things for, for chronic dieters is this idea of like, because I didn't succeed at this, people in the world think that I'm not all the different assumptions we have about what it means when you're thin and successful with dieting. Yeah. When you are practicing intuitive eating and you show yourself like, no, 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 I'm not lazy. I'm not demotivated. I'm not a quote mess. I'm actually am someone who's put together and self-aware and compassionate and I'm living my values. Everything gets easier. And I, I hope that for you, I can see you on that path of kind of uncoupling all those ideas about yourself for the first time, which is beautiful. Yes. Yeah. What do you think it's going to be like? So like, let's say, you know, you keep going and diet culture and food drama is a little bit less um, part of your day to day. What are you looking forward to in that future state? 
just the mental freedom, you know, the, the just, I mean, I like even just saying that out loud, I feel this like lightness just kind of come over me and just being able to live my life without worrying about, you know, am I going to eat too much or am I going to, you know, do I look too fat to this person or just that freedom of, of knowing that I'm okay. Yeah. Like being confident, being present, all things that kind of get robbed when we're, our brain is constantly scanning and thinking how to eat, quote, eat better, whatever that means to die. Yeah. So that freedom feels nice. And by the way, did we all just catch Stephanie using her body awareness skills right there, right? Like this, like she described it as feeling light. This is exactly the kind of stuff that she was able to build on from past experiences she's had. And then through the program, use that as part of her emotional coping skills. So like, mm, I see it. I see it still happening. We love to see it. It's so good. <laughs> you, you know, when we talked about doing the podcast, like all of my clients, there was a little bit of nerves coming in, but then before the podcast, you shared why you ultimately did want to do this. Can you tell us why, why was it important for you to share your story today? This was incredibly generous and brave of you to do. Why, why are you here? I, I love podcasts and I listen to them all the time, including Melissa's and my favorite episodes are the ones where guests come on and tell their story. (laughs) And I just, I love hearing other people's experiences because ultimately I always take a nugget out of it and it resonates with me. So even though I was a little nervous to do it, I really wanted to, because I feel that there will be somebody out there that'll listen to this episode and something I say will spark something in them. Mm-hmm. And I just, I want to help people relate because sometimes it can feel lonely when you're in this and it's, it's good to know that you, you do have others like you. Yeah. It's often the biggest roadblock, right? Mm-hmm. That we feel like we're the only ones going through it or we're the only ones who are you know taking this long to figure it out. Or maybe it's the other end of the spectrum where you have people who are actively sabotaging your efforts. So knowing that there's a greater community and a collective out there is so helpful. Um, I want to summarize what I heard you say as takeaways so that anyone listening to this could use you as a role model because you are one. You are somebody who struggled with this for a long time. You made your own path and then you invested in support to take it even deeper. Um, I want to summarize what I hear your specific qualities and strengths are, but I want you to talk to the people. What is some advice that you would give someone who's maybe becoming aware that dieting's not for them. They're starting to understand intuitive eating, but they feel afraid. What is it that you would say to that person to help them move forward in this process? I would say, I, first of all, I get it. I understand the fear of letting go of those rules that are so internalized it's very scary. And and the first thought you have is, Oh my gosh, am I going to gain a ton of weight? But I would say if you're already at that point where you're questioning, it's not working. So maybe it's time to try something different and try something that can work for the rest of your life and just do it just. And I think for me personally, getting a coach is probably the best bet because getting the book and trying to read it, I wanted to do all the things immediately. And I think that can be a little overwhelming. So I would say if you can 
find a coach, find a community and focus on just one thing at a time, but just know that the freedom that comes with it is worth it. Absolutely. And that, that's a takeaway. I think that's come up each time um, through these questions is that focusing on one thing liberated you to actually do things well. I always joke, my husband says this because I'm like this. I try to take on too much. He's like, Melissa, whole ass one thing. Don't half ass everything. And I'm like, thank you, needed that. We need to hear that around our intuitive eating process. We need to put our whole heart into one thing. Yes. Um, I started a client this morning and she had like, all of our group did too. It was like, I don't know. I want all those. I want all the goals. That's part of my job is to help people. Like, it's okay. And we were talking about, (laughs) success in one goal winds up, it's like dominoes. It winds up impacting another. That was true for you, Stephanie. You said you started with hunger and fullness and through that pursuit, you realize some stuff about emotions and then suddenly we're on that path. So know that you're not um, being easy on yourself by focusing. You're not taking it too slow. You're not being lazy. You're doing the strategy, high quality, focused and the right way for you. So that's definitely an important takeaway from the session. Focus, focus, focus. Some other things I just want to like put out in the universe that you were wonderful at. You have this ability to know when things scare the shit out of you, Stephanie. Yes. (laughs) And you have learned to turn it into your superpower. So very specifically, I'm thinking of times where you would just say out loud to me, like, I'm really scared to say this, or I'm feeling like the only one who is experiencing this right now, that vulnerability consistently surprised you because you, you kept seeing the folks in our group be like, Oh, thank you for saying something, Stephanie. And she was such a leader in that way to help other people, to get honest conversations. You made everyone else's journey move faster because of that. And you're doing it again right now by being in this podcast. So that's something else that I want to encourage people to learn from you is like, it's scary to be vulnerable. Find the safe space to do it because not all places are safe. But when you feel like you're in a place where you can be honest, what do you think? Did it pay off to like share what was going on with you as you were learning? Yes. And there were so many times when I was writing up a, you know, a post in the Facebook group that I wasn't even going to send hit, you know, um, send or whatever you hit in Facebook. I, um, I wrote it all out. I'm like, I can't put this on there. You know, I don't want to put this out there about myself. I, my biggest thing is I didn't want to discourage anybody. I was afraid by putting out there that I was feeling scared about something or vulnerable or discouraged about something. I was scared that my feelings would make other people feel the same way. And I'm so glad that I posted because it just, the thread exploded. And I had so many other women say, oh no, I'm exactly where you are. And that moment of community was so profound, I I guess. And I think it helped all of us to see we are all in this same boat together and none of us were alone and it helped. For me too, watching that, because that there are limitations I have as coach, right? Like I'd like to think I'm pretty good and skilled at what I do, but you guys are going through this and it means something different when someone who's going through it can talk about it. And you have those connections, which is why my community exists alongside the coaching, because I want you to have every tool available to you as you're learning this. 
those groups are only as good as the members though. I can't invent conversation. And so I was so appreciative for how you led the way on that and what that meant to all of our other members. Um, it's very true that we worry about being a downer, but like, guys, guess what? We're feeling this way. Um, we're not more sad by talking about the sadness. In fact, it helps us to make meaning and move on from it. So millions of lessons get learned when we put stuff out there in safe spaces. And I was glad you were part of that. That was really amazing. Yeah. I am sure there's like a million other takeaways listeners have. So I'm going to invite you right now. I've just summarized with Stephanie, breaking it down small, being vulnerable and being okay with the crappy parts of this process. <laughs> they having support through that is totally normal and okay. You're not negative. It's part of it. Um, if you have any other takeaways you love from this episode, I want you to think of them right now. And I want you to get to work on them in your way with or without a coach just learn from Stephanie, just get started. It pays off. Is there anything we missed? Any other thoughts or things you wanted to share today before we close this convo, Stephanie? Uh, just that I think, you know, changing your mind about this won't work or can't work to maybe it will, or maybe I can do this. That was another thing you taught me. It was can and, and will and want as opposed to, um, I don't want, or I can't, yeah. uh, but you know, maybe, maybe this will work and try thinking of things a little differently and you might surprise yourself mm-hmm. at how, how much better your life can be. Yeah. Takes a little faith, takes a little bit of a push to do that, but yeah, it does. It, it's, it's the same spirit that opened you up to try the, like, what if emotional eating is okay. And that's, that's the other thing that I think is important for listeners to know when you're scrolling Instagram and sometimes people are sharing their wins or your educators are kind of teaching you the, 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 the behaviors that, that intuitive eating links with, there's all this mindset that is like implicit or hidden behind the scenes that Stephanie now can access and she can talk about, but those are the real nuggets of wisdom you want because that propels you going forward. So well said, well, are you, are you, are you working today? Are we doing here today? Or is this? No, uh, Mondays are my day off. So I'm just chilling out in my kitchen, talking to you. <laughs> I just really am so grateful that you spent time on your day off with me. It means so much. And you know, this is recorded and it's going to go out to folks and you made such an impact with your story. So just big, big, thank you. Ugh, Stephanie it was nice spending time with you today. Thank you. You too, Melissa. Wasn't it refreshing to hear a real person's story, like a regular person that has gone through this, what they did to find food freedom? Stephanie gave a lot of practical takeaways for you this episode, one of them being the importance of support. If listening to her story, you realized that you not only would benefit from, but you really want support, a point in the right direction an opportunity to go back and forth and make meaning of your experience in the past and in the present when it comes to food so that you can have a better future with it, I want to invite you to apply to my three-month one-to-one coaching. You can apply at my website, melissalandrynutrition.com, or you could message me at nomoreguilt on Instagram, and we can talk about what you're working on, what's not working, what you want to start working and how I would approach it with you every step of the way 
So you, like Stephanie, could say, yeah, I emotionally eat in a way that makes me feel better, not worse. You can say that my fear around food doesn't take a hold of my life anymore. You can say that I trust myself for the very first time. I think that's possible for you the same way it's been possible with hundreds of clients I've worked with since I created this program. So if this sounds good and you're interested, reach out. Otherwise, we'll see you next week on the podcast. Until next time, be good to your good body.